Hello, and welcome to the Scouting Books Podcast, the podcast for YA fiction lovers of all ages. I'm your host, Scout, and I'm joined, like always, by my mom slash co-host, Cheryl. Today, we'll be talking about some new releases, we'll be reviewing Watch Over Me and The Ones We're Meant to Find, and we'll also be talking about books we're thankful for in preparation for Thanksgiving. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode four of the Scouting Books podcast. I'm your host, Scout, and my mom is here as well. Hello. And today, um, the day that this is going up is November 19th, which means that in six days, it's going to be Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, And so we wanted to dedicate an episode specifically to Thanksgiving, because let's be honest, after Thanksgiving, we're probably going to talk a lot about Christmas themed things, because I love Christmas. And I think there are a lot of ways that you can talk about books relating to Christmas. Of course there are. We're going to be doing that a lot. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to talk about books that we're thankful for, um, which I think is a cool topic, because that means we're going to be talking about books that were important to us and maybe had an impact on our life in some way. And I think that'll be a fun topic to talk about. But like all of our episodes, we're going to start with some reviews and with some new releases that we're excited about. So mom is going to do her review first. And mom, what are you reviewing today? So today I'm going to talk about a book that I actually read a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been kind of looking back at books I read in 2021 as I anticipate the end of the year and trying to figure out how many more books I want to read and also Mm -hmm. reflecting a little bit on my favorite books of the year. And this actually was one of my very favorite books of the year. I loved it wow, so much. Wow, I didn't much. know that you loved it that yeah, much. Yeah, I loved it. And it it is um, Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour. Mm-hmm. I had already read We Are Okay, which was Which a, I think is her most popular book. Yeah. You've probably heard of We Are Okay and maybe seen the cover. It's a very gorgeous cover. It's very cover. distinctive. If you like YA fiction, there's a right. good chance you've probably seen or heard of that one. And it won, I think, a lot of awards. You know, it got really great reviews. Mm-hmm. And I read We Are Okay and liked it a lot. But then, because I liked it so much, I decided to read Watch Over Me, which actually, I believe, well, I know, I liked better than... Mm-hmm. We are okay, but... This is kind of interesting. I know you're going to talk about this when you go, mm-hmm. but last week you talked about Cemetery Boys, and <laughs> right. this week you're talking about this book, which you'll hear in her review That's is funny. kind of a ghosty story. There are ghosties you're ta- you in this You talked about two ghosty one. stories I know. in a row. That is interesting, but this one is typically a... typically don't read a lot of I really books. don't, but this one is a different, different kind of type ghost. of ghost mm-hmm. and a different kind of Because the ghost in Cemetery Boys is like... A very yeah. intense character. He's like a person. He's it not is. really a ghost. Yeah, the ghost in Cemetery Boys is one of the main characters yeah. in the book. But one thing about Nina LaCour's books, and Scott would probably know more about this because I really don't know that much about her as an author or, you know, I haven't really heard a lot from her. Mm-hmm. But both of these books do deal with, like, mental illness and trauma, too. And especially yeah. in Watch Over Me, there's a lot of childhood trauma that comes into play. And, in fact, it ends up being the main theme of this book. Um, and so I don't want to spoil too much on that regard. But let me just kind of tell you a little bit about what it's about. So this is the story of Mila who has just aged out of the foster care system. She's been in the system since she was young. Well, not sh- I'm not sure exactly the right age, but um, she had issues with her mother and um, stepfathers who were part of her life. But anyway, she went through the foster care system, and when she's aged out of it, she really doesn't know what she wants to do with her life at mm-hmm. that point. College, Understandable. She's not even really sure about college, about where she wants to go, what she wants to do. But she takes this offer from this... Um, farm home group home kind of place up on the california coast northern california coast and 
without really any other plans, she decides to go because the people who are the caretakers there who run the home seem like really cool people. Anyway, so she goes there and she's a teacher to young children. These are kids who are also in the foster system, but they're so living. So she's in about this, like 18. Yeah, about time. 18. But she's, you know, they're living in this group, group home kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Pretty quickly, though, Mila discovers that there are some interesting things going on here. The home is actually wonderful. The owners are great. The people that are there are good. I was so afraid going into this that it was yeah, going to be like I, an I'm abusive kind of situation or a home that wasn't healthy. But it's actually a very healthy home. These are kind of like, it's kind of like a commune, I guess. Kind of hippies, you know, people nice. kind of that are just kind of free, <laughs> free spirit kind like of people. Hippies. But pretty soon when Mila is there, she discovers that there are ghosts that are just out in the fields in front of their cabins they all live in cabins and she'll see these ghosts on the property and they're Pretty like cool. yeah <laughs> and i mean it's, so it's very atmospheric she just like walks out one day she's like yes hey, and she sees them out there dead. dancing she'll see them she can't really see them up close she sees them from a distance so it's not like in cemetery boys when they're walking and yeah. talking amongst them as a character but she sees them out there in the field she sees them on the property and as and people just accept it like everybody there knows that these ghosts are there that's pretty cool it is and ultimately the message here is she kind of connects to these ghosts that end up being really representative of trauma that she's had mm. and um it's a it's a beautiful story really because it does ha it tells you this you know this message of like hope and kind of getting past past um pain and trauma in your life and learning to deal with those things and mm -hmm. be able to move on in a healthy way and so the ghosts are real but they're also kind of a metaphor for yeah. struggles in your That's life cool. and it's really good and Nina LaCour's books are beautifully written too which is something else I really liked about both it and we are okay was the style that they were written in so so yeah I think ultimately this is probably going to be one of my favorite so books you gave that this I a five read. star I think I did now I say that but on Goodreads I think I'm you very gave it like a four and I'm a half, very maybe. picky and I don't give five stars yeah. often at all if, if I get a if you get a four on Goodreads it's a pretty really good, good from, book yeah, yeah pretty good from but all. anyway so I would highly recommend Nina LaCour's books I think those are maybe her only two no I actually ha she has multiple other books oh, she's okay. been writing for a pretty long well, time well then I probably need to read she some more of them she has one called <laughs> The Disenchantments that okay. was a while ago I have one on my bookshelf over there called uh, where is it well um, everything leads to you I got it on okay. our trip to California because it's set in California and I wanted to read it it's in Hollywood well, I probably need and to read the other ones and then she also has one called Hold Still okay. but I think there's a chance Hold Still could be too sad for you mom doesn't love I reading don't really super like sad, sad books like both of and those, from what I can tell yeah. from Hold Still it's like truly depressing well and both of those the two books by her that I've read are kind of sad yeah Mostly because you really I think her feel... only book that doesn't seem like it's going to be sad mm -hmm. is the one that I own. Okay. So maybe you maybe would like I could that read one. it. I think not so much just sad, like not crying sad, but maybe made me really feel for these people, mm -hmm. like the situations they were in. And so a lot of kind of that shared, you know, sympathy that I had for them. Yeah. But anyway, I would highly recommend that, especially um, the one I just read. So the book that I'm going to be reviewing is The Ones We're Meant to Find by Joan He. And this is a like brand new 2021 release. It was a book I was really excited for. Um, I had anticipated its release and I bought it as soon as it came out. And this is one that I really, really, really wanted to love. <laughs> and I just didn't. Don't you hate um, that? Which is literally the worst. I um, attended this like online virtual um, reading conference thing as well where a lot of YA authors spoke and I heard Joan He speak and I just loved the things she said and I thought she was a really great speaker and so it made me want to read the book more so yeah. then I went and I read the book and it just did not live up to what I wanted it to um 
So this book is a YA sci-fi. It's a very interesting sci-fi. It's set in the future, but it's still on Earth. Um, and it's about these two girls, Casey and um, Celia. And they are sisters. And Casey um, is still living at this, like, it's hard to explain. They're called eco-cities. Hmm. So basically, in this in this Earth, um, climate change and environmental issues have gotten so bad that basically the world is, like, ending almost. Um, and certain people have moved up to these eco-cities that, like, so live like in the sky that are, like, bubbles, basically, okay. to where they can yeah. live there and they're safe from kind of the cool bad concept. things happening in the environment. Can we get that tech going? If only. <laughs> um, but so Casey is living there, and we know from the beginning of the book that Celia, her sister, has gone missing. And you're getting it from alternating point of views from Casey and Celia, and you see that Celia is now, like, living on this abandoned island. She's hmm. basically, like, washed up on this island, and she's been living there for three years, and she's, like, fending for herself and surviving. Wow. Um, and so you're alternating between their timelines, and Celia is just, like, desperately trying to get back to Casey. Okay. And Casey is just um, trying to figure out what happened to Celia in the first place. Right. And... I liked the idea of this because yeah, I'm I mean, very passionate like about idea. environmental things. Right. And I thought that would be cool and to read about. Stories and I good. love sister stories. Yeah. But this just did a lot of stuff I didn't love. Hmm. Um, so the one of the first things is that the chapters go back and forth from Casey and Celia, but Casey's chapters are in third point of view and Celia's are in first person. Okay, so that's kind of what which is disconcerting. Yes. Um, I like Celia's point of views a lot more, even yeah. though I typically like third person right. point of views. But I feel like if one was in one it was, point of view, yeah, the it other was, it was, be it was the interesting. Same. Um, and then I like some things it did, but my main issue, like I said, I love Celia's point of views. I didn't love Casey's, and I, that's always difficult for me when I like one person's and I don't like the others because it brings me away from the novel, right. kind of. Um, and then the other thing I didn't love was a lot of stuff. Um, like not really many things happened at the beginning. It was kind of slow. It, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. super action packed. And then about like two thirds into the novel or three fourths into the yeah. novel, a ton of stuff <laughs> happens and it just like all gets packed into this one part and it's just like crazy. Yeah. And I was like, this is like too much to like throw in right here. Yeah, yeah. And also it was a lot based on like the science of like the environmental stuff hmm. and it was kind of hard to understand right. and difficult to imagine I wonder if the author is she a scientist or does she I have like know. science background i don't actually know hmm. um but i really liked like i said i really liked celia's chapters but i didn't like casey's like at all and that was really disappointing for right. me um so i ended up giving this book like two stars oh my goodness just yeah. because i couldn't i couldn't connect with an yeah. entire half of the book right and that's you know, like I can't give you a really good rating well, when for I can't. One, for the first that half part. to be slow, and then the second and half then to be it was kind just of like frantic. All, yeah, and um, it it was just it was just kind of odd. But one thing that I did like about it is it has like this crazy plot twist that I thought was a really great plot oh, twist. That's cool. Um, it it was like something that throughout the book I was like predicting things similar to it. Hmm. Like I thought I knew it was happening, yeah. but then the um, the reasoning for what it was was very different than what I thought it was going to yeah. be. So I was predicting similar things, but I did not predict the actual twist. And the twist was pretty crazy. Cool. Um, so that was pretty good. And then there was like another smaller twist that I saw coming from close to the beginning, but I don't think it's something you're always going to see coming. It's like right. still a pretty good twist. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I was just disappointed with this one. I really wanted to love it, but it just, I don't think it's my type of sci-fi that I like. I yeah. think if I like sci-fi, I like it to be like in space. In another and, like, world. In another world. And this just like wasn't. I don't I just don't think it's the kind of sci-fi I yeah. like. I've never really read sci-fi that's set 
on Earth. Yeah. Um, and so that was interesting to read. It well, just, that's what I was just thinking. You're kind of new to sci-fi, so, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably just trying, trying to, to figure, out, figure what out, what out what you like. Yeah. So, yeah, not my favorite, but I have had some friends who have absolutely loved it and some friends who, like, absolutely hated it. Hmm. And I did not despise this book, but I definitely am more on the end of the people who hated it i just i just wasn't my thing yeah but i can see how you would like it if maybe you are a maybe your brain can comprehend more than me right this was just a lot it was a lot i have a hard time reading a book where i have to kind of sit down and try to understand what's happening yeah and this book took me a lot longer than i feel like it yeah, should have it's, it's not only, a, it's not a very it's like long book. 370 pages it's okay. not that long i read 500 book pages in like two days sometimes yeah and this book took me like like six days it just took me a really long time because I had to sit there and, like, comprehend what I was reading. Right. Um, so there's that one. Not my favorite, but that's okay. Not everything can be your favorite. So now we're going to talk about some new releases that we're excited for that have either um, come out in the last couple of days or are coming out soon. So now's the time of the episode where we talk about new releases that we are excited for or that have like come out in the last couple of days that we think you should go get. <laughs> um, and so mom is going to talk about our first one. This book comes out November 23rd and it's kind of a thriller that's um, like a revenge thriller, kind of reminiscent of like Sadie, if you know what that book is. And I mm. think that's even in the description. It is. Um, and so I think this could be a cool one that a lot of you would really like. So mom, you can read that description okay. now if you'd like. So this book is titled The Ballad of Dinah Caldwell and it's by Kate Browning. And this is the description. True Grit meets Sadie in this own voices, near future revenge thriller that tackles capitalism, queerness, and revolution. 17-year-old Dinah runs her family's farm in the Ozarks. When she finds her grief-stricken mother dead in the living room with wealthy rancher Gabriel Gates standing over her, Dinah's life narrows to a single point, kill Gabriel Gates. But Gates has built his wealth, giving out bad loans and surrounds himself with bodyguards. Dinah's mountains are now one giant foreclosure, including her own farm. It all belongs to him. Once he puts a $10,000 reward on Dinah's head, everyone in the starving county wants a piece of her. Homeless and alone in the woods, all she has is Johnny, the moonshining bootlegger at home in the caves. He begs her to leave the mountains to start over with a new life, but Dinah is hell-bent on sparking a county revolution. She'll lose her life to see this killer dead. I think this sounds really good. And it's got a definite, like, Western vibe. It does. And, Mom, you've read Sadie, right? Yeah, you, you read it a couple years ago. I did, and I know so many people who loved Sadie. Mm-hmm. And based on this, it seems in that same um, field. You know, a revenge thriller, girls trying to get, trying to kill someone who right. killed one of her loved ones. And I think those kind of books are always fun. Like That's they're so intense, interesting, right? They are. You know, you're going to want to turn the page. And I think this one right. just sounds so good. And apparently, someone um, says that it was inspired by a Mumford and Sons song called "Dust Bowl Dance." That's pretty cool. Guess I'll have to go listen to that song <laughs> I guess now. so. So it's definitely, I think it's really interesting that you don't see a lot of kind of books with rural or Western yeah. kind of vibes like that. It sounds interesting. Okay. So the one that I'm going to talk about is actually a um, conclusion to a duology um, that is in YA Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's a super popular duology. Um, it's a retelling. It's by a debut author. Um, and she has just gotten amazing reviews for her first novel. Mm-hmm. And I also think she is just a very cool person. You can go follow her on TikTok I and Instagram. And TikTok. she 
makes really <laughs> cool content based on her books. Yeah. So the book that I'm talking about is Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. And this book came out um, three days ago when this episode is going up. It came out November 16th. So you can go get both of these books in this duology now. And um, I have heard nothing but good things about this. It's up for the 2021 um, Goodreads YA Fantasy of the Year. These Violent Delights? No, Our Violent Ends. Oh, okay. So These Violent Delights came out 2020, I think. Okay. And then this one come, came out three days ago. Okay. Um, and so I think that this could be a cool one that you could go yeah. get now if you like YA fantasy. So I'm so. actually going to read the description for the first book, mm -hmm. which is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Okay. Um, so here's the description for that one. The year is 1926 and Shanghai hums to the tune of debauch deba debauchery. Debauchery. <laughs> I, I suck at saying that or word. Or debauchery. No, debauchery for sure. Okay. <laughs> debauchery. <laughs> a, a blood feud between two gangs runs the streets red, numbing the city to its chaos. Debauchery. Debauchery. You're still saying it? <laughs> I am. At Let's the, say you can say it however you want to say it. At the heart of it Debauchery. all is 18-year-old Juliet Kai, a former flapper girl who has returned to her to begin her duties as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations. And behind every move is the heir, Roma Montagoff, who was Juliet's first love until he betrayed her but when gangsters on both sides start clawing their own throats out the people start to whisper of a contagion a madness of a monster in the shadows as the deaths stack up juliet and roma must set their guns aside and work together no matter their personal grudges for if they cannot contain this mayhem then there will be no city left for either to rule okay so, so as I, you can I, tell can I interrupt this is you a romeo and juliet retelling can I interrupt sure. you for just a moment i just googled debauchery i'm pretty sure it's debauchery i just couldn't no, think of how to say it debauchery so i was going the right route i think you were saying debauchery i think i was and so i said debauchery but it, but it was something in the middle there which go. i should know that but it's one of those words how many of y'all read a word and you sit there and try to pronounce it four or five different ways like you've seen this word all your life <laughs> debauchery okay i kind of just lost it there but as you can tell <laughs> this is a romeo and juliet retelling right set in 1926 shanghai which, which i, I love is that. very interesting yeah. and it's all about feuding gangs but in this one juliet is like also a ruler of one of the gangs right which i think is pretty cool it's a lot of like childhood friends to lovers to enemies mm -hmm. to back to lovers mm -hmm. to enemies again a lot of betrayal and i've heard it's absolutely amazing yeah i am actually planning on reading this book um at the end of this month so, so that hopefully say, i'll be able to read the next so one. that's going to be so, one of your books to this read was one of the ones I, this over. is one of the ones i put on my november tbr okay. that i haven't gotten to yet but we still have like another sure. week and a half left of of, of November. November. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm probably going to get to it. Cool. I'm really excited about this one. That so I great. think that those both sound amazing and both are good ones that you could pick up this month. So like I said, for our discussion today, we wanted to talk about books that we are thankful for. And we can be thankful for them in many different ways. Um, <laughs> and so we are just going to talk about three books each that we are very thankful for and that we're thankful we read and that we're thankful maybe gave us something. Um, so we're just going to go back and forth. Okay. I think that's the best way we can do it. So we both have a like childhood book that we're thankful for. Yes. So I want to talk about those first. So okay. my book is Percy Jackson and the entire series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. The first one is The Lightning Thief. Um, I probably read this book for the first time when I was, I would say, in the second grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. And um, it was kind of one of the first two series that I read that made me enjoy reading longer books and chapter books. Um, and I know that, like, for my sisters, that was, like, Harry Potter. So this was kind of like my Harry Potter right. for me. Um, and so if you don't know what the, um, what the Lightning Thief and the Percy Jackson series is about, it's about Percy Jackson, who the books start when he's 11. 
So it also felt cool that like the protagonist of this novel was like not my age because at the time I was probably about seven, but close. But was close to my age, and I thought that was really cool. And so it's about Percy who finds out that he is the son of Poseidon and that he is a demigod, and he goes to this um, camp called Camp Half Blood and um, starts training with other other demigods, right. other young demigods. And in the first book, um, the entire adventure is that. Um, the gods believe that he stole Zeus's lightning bolt. And so he has to go on this adventure with Annabeth and Grover and um, prove that he did not do this. And those books were just so instrumental in my love of reading. And it's kind of why I love reading now. Yeah. I still have a shelf full of books by Rick Riordan because of how much um, how much he did for my love of reading. Right. And so, yeah, that I mean, that's the main reason I'm so thankful for mm-hmm. those is because because I loved them and it's what got me into reading, but also because it was like the first fandom I was a part of. Yeah. Um, it was the first time I cared so much about characters right. and about storylines. And I mean, even still now I like see fan art of these books pop up on my Instagram all the time. It's like, it's so instrumental of just my love of things in general yeah. about being obsessed with something. Yes. Fandoms are great. Fandoms are so important to, <laughs> right. to both of us. Yes, definitely. So I really could add, I could talk about two different books or groups of books as a child that were really instrumental to me inform yeah. and really informed my love of reading. And um, I'm going to talk about one a little bit more, but I am going to mention Judy Bloom just because Judy Bloom books were so important to me as a kid. I could sit here and tell you the story about how when I was in third grade, I was reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which for a third grader looking back, like, I'm not really <laughs> sure if I should have been reading that in third grade. Like, probably for sure I shouldn't have been. But I'll never forget going to church and having it inside my hymnal <laughs> and reading it at church when I was supposed to be, like, following along with the hymns we were singing. Anyway, I guess it's good it wasn't <laughs> in my Bible. But anyway, I loved Judy Bloom because <laughs> Judy Bloom, like, made me... Judy Bloom helped me grow up. Mm-hmm. Like it helped me deal with like puberty and learning about boys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But anyway, so I guess I was going to say I could have talked about Judy, Judy Bloom, but I did just talk about Judy <laughs> Bloom. Um, but the other book I would say as a child that was so important to me, and this is a series, and these are the Nancy Drew books, because first off, I love mysteries. So other mm-hmm. than young adult books, mysteries are probably my favorite genre, both cozy mysteries, mysteries and then you know, more like hardboiled kind of thrillers. But Nancy Drew, I read every book in the Nancy Drew series starting when I was in young elementary school, probably anywhere from second grade to maybe seventh grade, mm-hmm. anywhere in that span. Um, and I loved them so much, first off, because they were mysteries and I love yeah. a good mystery. But then also because here's a girl who was being the the sleuth. And it was not just her. It was her two best girlfriends. The boyfriends would kind of hang out some too, but they weren't the most important characters. The girls were the most important characters. And Nancy was a girl who she, she, she lived with her widowed father and her mother had passed away and her father like gave her permission to be the sleuth. Mm -hmm. And even though he was like, you know, he was, um, it wasn't written like in the fifties in the 60s but it was like she was this 
feminist icon almost and yeah. i loved her so i loved her for that and also just because she solved mysteries and i love yep. all things mystery. <laughs> i love all things mysteries i love yep. murder mystery tv, TV shows. shows and everything yeah yeah so my next one um is one that we talked about last week actually when we were talking about our top five favorite ya novels but it right. wasn't one of mine it was actually yeah, one of mom's it was and um that book is eleanor and park by rainbow rowell and the reason that this one um is so important to me and i'm so thankful for it is because this was really the first YA book I read. So um, once right. I got past reading middle grade novels, yeah. this was the first YA book I read. And I read it after I hadn't read a book probably in like two years. And I kind of think that Angela, my best friend, maybe introduced it to mm -hmm. us, I yeah. think. And she, she had us both read Mom it. Mom read it first, and then I read it. Yeah. And I had probably not read a book for maybe a year and a half at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and I read this book. And I remember I cried at the end. <laughs> and after that, I just like wanted to read, yeah, wanted to read more YA books. And it was also the first um, YA romance I read mm -hmm. right. um, because before that, I had only read books about like, like <laughs> groups of friends yeah, or yeah. like about important morals, like being kind to others yes, and stuff right. like that. And this was the first romance I read. Did you read Percy Jackson before this? Though? I did read Percy okay, Jackson before. Right. I'm kind of going in order of when yeah, I read these okay. books. But it was the first romance I read, like right. truly a romance. And I love romances now so yes. much. They take up so much of my shelf. <laughs> right. And romances in general are like the reason I started to love reading again yeah. because they're so quick and sure. they're so fun. But Eleanor and, Par and Park specifically was like the reason I wanted to read more YA. Yeah. And also just in general, I thought it was an important book for me because it was reading about other people's issues and about mm -hmm. people who in certain ways were very different for right. me. Um, and now I read like even more diverse novels, sure. obviously much more diverse novels. But at the time, reading about people who had issues that were very different from mine was pretty diverse, was for, you. Pretty diverse for me. Yeah. And I think that was important. And yeah. just in general, the fact that it made me want to read young adult, which now mm -hmm. takes over my room, young adult books <laughs> take over my room and it's yes. such like a vital part of my life. Right. I think that was really important. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of um, cemented my love of specifically young adult novels. Right. Yes. So next for me, a book that I am so grateful for and thankful for, and it's again, another series, but this is the Harry Potter books. Mm -hmm. So Harry Potter, the first one came out, I'm not sure the year, um, 1990, uh, maybe six or eight six or seven. Like yeah, all of so that. a good seven years or so before Scout was even born. Mm -hmm. She was born in 2004, but the, the Harry Potter books and were so important and were like oh a, 2003 oh 2003 how did we think they were that old i for some reason thought anyway, they were in the 90s to, but still before scout was born still before i was born yeah and so all of us know about harry potter we mm -hmm. know the phenomenon that they are and you know i'm one of those crazy harry potter fans that i know my house and i you know have been to the wizarding world for many times and i collect things that have to do with harry potter i just love them but I think what was so important about it and why I'm so thankful for Harry Potter is that it was like this joint experience. So mm -hmm. first off, the books are just great. The world building is amazing. And I love the characters and the stories are just great stories about friendship, really, um, and faith and, you know, just love. And real. in general, and ultimately, the power of good over love evil. and family and mm -hmm. good over evil. But I think what was more important was like this. It was this communal kind of thing. And um, my other daughters were all read them. My oldest daughter read them as they came out with me. Mm -hmm. She read the very first one when it came out and read all of them. My middle daughter was younger 
and she caught up with them a little bit after. She read the first one when yeah. she was in kindergarten. But it became this joint experience so that by the time the seventh book came out, we bought three different copies for our family because my mm -hmm. husband read them all too. He loves them. We got three copies because Delaney, my middle daughter, wasn't quite up to that. And we got three copies and we all just dispersed into corners of the house <laughs> and read it. And I did not emerge from the little corner in the fetal position on my bed until it was done. But it was just this kind of joint experience, yeah. I think, a communal thing. And, you know, I wanted to know. I loved these characters. I wanted to know what happened to them. Yeah. And so... I don't know if it reignited my love for reading because I was reading a lot at the time yeah. anyway, but it did. Sure. It really cemented that or it made me love reading mo even more. Mm -hmm. um, the last one I'm going to talk about is very different from the reasonings that I talked about the last two, which is in general that made me love reading. Um, and that book is Eliza and Her Monsters by um, Francesca Sapia. Mm -hmm. I believe that's how you say it last name. I've heard some people say it different ways, but that's how I've always said it in my right. brain at least. Um, and the reasoning that this book is so important to me is because I have social anxiety and this was the first book that I ever read that had a character with social anxiety that was still like an awesome character yeah. and still did things and still had friends and still like had like romance and like right. did all these awesome things while still having social anxiety. And in general, this was the first book I read about social anxiety. And even now, sometimes I'll read books where like a character is like written to where you like believe they have some form of social anxiety right. and they're like awkward and like the weird side character. And like, yeah. I don't like that, you know, as a yeah. person with social anxiety. <laughs> um, and Eliza and Her Monsters is about a girl who has written this um, webtoon mm -hmm. and it becomes insanely famous. People wait all the time to see the next book come out. Um, and she is like in this writing slump kind of can't can't get the next chapter out. And then it's about when this boy moves to school um, and he doesn't talk. Mm -hmm. But one day, Eliza, even though she has awful social anxiety, stands up for him. Right. And they become friends. And she finds out that he is like the biggest fan fiction writer of her <laughs> webtoon. Yeah. And they become friends and they become something more mm -hmm. and he also has really bad social anxiety to the right. point where he like doesn't speak he won't speak he texts right yeah Sometimes they and even, even for them because way. they both have social anxiety it's hard for them to speak yeah and it was just so important to me as a teen who like at the time i didn't even know that like what i had was social anxiety mm -hmm. and reading this was really important because at the time i was like you know i was like good at talking to people but i like yeah. always felt weird about it and didn't right. feel comfortable doing it and so reading it was so important to see myself represented in that way in a book. Um, and it was really the first time I ever saw that. Um, and so I think that's so important. I think representation of all sorts mm -hmm. is important in everything. Like not only books, but like TV shows. Sure. Um, like um, famous people that we see. It's always important yeah. to see ourselves represented. And I think right. that was the first time I ever really saw it happen. So that's why that book is so important to me. And it's maybe the book I'm most thankful for in that yeah, way. I think when you read books like that, you don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. You realize that there are, other, you're not the only one. It feels that mm -hmm. way. Right. And yeah, I think there's a lot of examples of books we could give like that. Yeah. Um. So I was trying to think of a third book because I mean, there are so many books I could be thankful for. Mm -hmm. I could sit here and list so many of them. And of course, there's plenty of adult books that mean a lot to me and that I'm thankful for. But I, I just got to thinking about how um, really over the last couple of years, a scout has started reading a lot. Um, it's kind of neat. And I'm very thankful for like this joint appreciation of books that we have so much that we're doing a podcast together. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, Scout gets into, um, what am I, I trying in, to I say? I get into worlds and she, characters yes, she, very intensely. She does. And I 
like to read a lot of the books that she recommends. I haven't read all of her favorite books, but I mean, I have read Aristotle and Dante, which I love. She's currently reading Six of Crows. Praise the Lord. Yes, I'm reading Six of Crows right now, which she loves. But I am thankful for the Raven Cycle books. And the first one Mm -hmm. is The Raven Boys by Maggie Steve Otter. And I think I'm thankful for that just because... I've heard Scout talk about it so much over the mm-hmm. years about how much she loves it. And even though I do love it, I'm not to the point where Scout loves it. You I know? have pictures of these characters yeah. on my walls, guys. But, it's really intense. But they are really good. And mm-hmm. I just finished the series this year. Yep. And I am very thankful to have books, be able to have a shared uh, love, of something. A love of something with Scout. And so I'm thankful for that. How sweet. What a sweet (laughs) note to end this podcast on. Well, we are so thankful that you guys tuned in with us. Um, Let us know what books you're thankful for and why you're thankful for them. Um, We hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving this week. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.